0: receive Xavier Reese and the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The greatest witness of the Holy Spirit and
1: that is He's in the world is that He presently dwells in us as believers. That my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That I contain God. That God is in me. Through the Spirit, we can believe, trust, and understand, and be empowered. He's in you.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. God's Word tells us, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, how is it that we come to know the truth and the freedom that accompanies it? That's what Pastor Xavier explores as he takes us back to his study in the New Testament book of 1 John. Let's join him for today's Simple Truths. The message entitled The Threefold Witness of God. The
1: failure to scripturally understand that Jesus is the Messiah can have eternal consequences. There is no room for error. And so John proceeds to give a threefold witness that Jesus was the Messiah his entire earthly life. Listen to him in verse 6 through 8. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. And so, the threefold witness that Jesus was the Messiah... His entire earthly life is marked by this, the prophetic witness in verse 6, the problem witness, verse 7, and the permanent witness in verse 8. The mission of Jesus was that God would become incarnate. People have a difficult time with that. And that's why God puts Genesis 1-1 in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created out of nothing the heavens and the earth. When you can embrace that, you have no problem with God becoming man. Now notice the attestation of the person is now irrefutable by water and blood. The first is water, which speaks of our Lord's baptism. The place and method by which Jesus was identified as the promised Messiah. We are told that the Spirit descended in a bodily form upon Jesus when he came out of the water, and the Father spoke from heaven, affirming his sonship in Matthew 3.17, Mark 1.11, and Luke 3.22. You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. The second witness is the blood, which speaks of his death, on the cross, as you know, blood speaks of death, and death speaks of atonement in the Levitical law. The blood was given in Genesis 3:21, when God killed that little animal to purge the sin of Adam and even clothe them. There it began. John said, "Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, Every Jew understood that." John: 129. So when Jesus says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes the sins of the world, every Jew knew exactly they had a big picture in their mind. To them, it was forgiveness, fellowship with God, atonement. And so is baptism, His death. Now, notice the third witness is the Spirit of truth. And the reference to Spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's capitalized in, in your Bible. The third person of the Godhead. The phrase bears witness is the verb, marturial. In the present tense, it's ongoing. In fact, in John 14, 16, he says, Now we'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes these truths alive. To the believer, uh, John, as you know, he's already told us in chapter two, verse twenty, that we have an anointing. Um, two twenty, he says, um, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. The Holy One is Jesus, and you know all things. Down in verse twenty-seven of chapter two, but the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And so this anointing, the Spirit of God, he's mentioned it indirectly in 20 and 27, and then for the first time, he mentions the Holy Spirit in 324. Remember we are study there. Now he who keeps the commandments abides in him, speaking of Christ, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. There's the first mention of the Holy Spirit. Testimony and witness of Jesus is that he is Messiah from the start to the finish. This is the heart of the epistle. He begins in chapter 1 verse 2 with that. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and manifested to us. So the threefold witness that Jesus was the Messiah, his entire earthly life was the prophetic witness. That's the first thing. The prophecy. And he points particularly to his baptism and death. He just takes two. But they were prophetic. Now notice we move to the problem witness, where there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And the reason I call this the problem witness is because this verse is found only in four Greek manuscripts. If you have um, some footnotes there in some of your newer Bible translations, they'll give you a footnote on there. Now, none of these are earlier than the 4th century. We have no original manuscripts or autographs. What we have is copies of copies. If I make a letter to one of you and I write it out, and um, before I mail it to you, I make a copy of it, and I, I store it. Now, you receive my letter. That's the original, but you lose it. So you call me up and say, you know what, I lost that copy of the letter that you sent me. You wouldn't happen to have a copy. Yeah, I have a copy. So I make a copy of that copy, okay? But when I make that copy, maybe the printer, the copier, and my handwriting, instead of being a looped L, maybe it's taken for a T or maybe an E. So there are some things that are there, but when you get that letter and you start reading it, you know English. You're going to figure out what the word What word it is because you know how to speak English. So you're going to be able to correct whether it's an E or an L, whether it's an L that looks like a T because it doesn't have a cross. So you're going to be able to figure these things out. Real simple. And you have many, if I had many copies of those things and we put them all together, and let's just say that that machine continues to make errors on the copy I'm giving, then I put all 10 or 15, 20 out and I can go word by word and I can distinguish by comparing those 20 letters if there's only about three different, four different ways that it's mistaken that letter, I can tell you what that word is because I know the English. So it's real easy to do it. It takes a lot of work. So, what you possess in your lap is probably about 99.9% of accuracy upon your text that you have there, okay? The personal responsibility of every Christian is Acts 17.11, that you be a good Berean to examine if those things are so. So, you do your best homework the best way you can, understanding the Word of God, and you commit the rest to the Lord. And I don't see any problem one way or the other with this. Now, the Apostle John has clearly stated directly and indirectly the Trinity of God and the Godhead in this epistle. So the doctrine of the Trinity is not at stake here because of this verse. John 1.3 says, That which was, we have seen and heard declared to you, that we may have fellowship with him and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So the two are put there, the Father and the Son. Who is a liar? John 2.22, but who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist and denies the Father and the Son. He ties the Father and Son, the two again. John 2.23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. He ties them two again together. Therefore, John 2.24, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. There you have the two again. In John 4.14 we read, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. They're tied together again. You can go to 2 John 1.3, 2 John 1, nine. it's the same thing. The Father and the Son are mentioned over and over again. We've already seen the Spirit is mentioned directly, indirectly. The Trinity is all over this little five-chapter book. The Trinity is taught in the very first verse of Genesis, as I said. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim. It ends in an I am. The Hebrew word is plural. El is one. Allah is two, Elohim is a compound unity of three or more. Throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New, you have the three distinct persons identified. In Genesis 1:26, it says, Let us make man in our image. Plural. Personal pronoun. Deuteronomy 6:4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. The word is a cad. It means a compound unity of one. Not a simple one, but a compound unity. The reference to God often refers to the Father in the Old Testament, God. Other times, he's called the Father. The second person is said to be the Son. He's distinct from the Father. He's called the seed of the woman, the Son, the anointed, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, many other. The third person of the Godhead is said to be Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Anointing, and many, many others. John, in his prologue of his Gospel, focuses on the clear distinction between the Father and the Son in John 1 1 and 2. The Word existed before time in the beginning. Was the word. The word existed with God before time. But was distinct from God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Two people there distinct. The word existed as God before time. And the word was God. Or God was the word. And then the word existed with God. In the beginning of time. Verse 2. So John makes it very very clear. That the two are distinct. Father and Son, and the Spirit was sent by the Son. All three are God. The Father calls the Son God. Peter identifies the Holy Spirit as God. And God the Father is called God by Paul in all his opening salutations. So, if you look at the evidence of the New Testament, it's all over the place. All three are said to be omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing omnipresent, all present. The Father sent the Son. The Father is revealed by the Son. The Father testifies to the Son. The Son points us to the Father. The Son is the picture of the Father. The Son announces the coming of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks and reveals the Son. The Holy Spirit draws us to the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I came not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I do always those things that please the Father. And so the threefold witness that Jesus was the Messiah, his entire earthly life is not affected by the problem witness, is it? <laughs> now, It brings us to the permanent witness. Verse 8. And it's short. Notice the threefold witness is declared specifically. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The reference is not to the Trinity as the previous verse. Make sure you understand that. Now you remember the law taught that in order for matter to be established, there would have to be two to three witnesses particularly if it was a matter of capital punishment, Deuteronomy 19, 15, and 17, and 6, and also in um, Numbers 35, 30. Again, John, he's a Jew in background. He understands this. The false witnesses against our Lord, remember, were many. And finally, two came forth, but they could not agree. Mark tells us, Mark 14, 55 through 57, and then 59. They needed witnesses to corroborate, to verify something. The context here is the three witnesses that testify that Jesus was the Messiah from the beginning of his ministry. This is the theme of these verses. To his death. Baptism, water, death, blood, crucifixion. He's refuting the false teaching of the Gnostics. The matter is evil and spirit is good. Refusing the false teaching that Jesus Christ was not Messiah, but the anointing came upon him for a set time and left him prior to this crucifixion. Again, the particular place of their witness is the earth. Now, the implication of the earth is clearly understood in verse 6. At his baptism in the Jordan, that's where it took place on earth. At his death in Calvary, at Pentecost, poured out upon the church and those who were to be saved on earth. Where else did it happen? Now, notice also that the threefold witness is confirmed. The spirit, the water, and the blood. So he stays, John stays on his text. He sticks to it. He doesn't deviate. The Spirit, capital S, is mentioned for this time first, notice. But was the order the intention of John? I don't think so. Notice in verse 6, John is pointing out the linear timeline of the ministry of Jesus. Baptism, death, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now in verse 8... John is still continuing the same timeline, but after Jesus ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. He just continued the timeline. The Holy Spirit is the one, as we have pointed out, who makes the witness of the other two, water and blood, alive and credible to the lost sinner. This is his function, his mission. He bears witness as the spirit of truth. So he's just following in verse 6, the timeline, the baptism, the death, the spirit came. Then in verse 8, there are three that bear witness. The spirit, because the spirit continues from there. And what is he revealing now? He's pointing out to people that the water, the baptism of Jesus, because it's the same theme, same subject was a line of demarcation, the beginning, but it marked that he was Messiah and his death also. And so the Holy Spirit is the key. He's the hinge between the two. The greatest witness of the Holy Spirit is in the world and that is he's in the world is that he presently dwells in us as believers, that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that I contain God, that God is in me. I always say, Oh Lord, be with us tonight. He, he came with you, He's in you. <laughs> Through the Spirit is that we can believe, trust, and understand, and be empowered. We can cry out, Abba, Father, Galatians 4 6. Now the water remains in the same order, notice, in relationship to the blood. For a simple reason. The beginning comes before the end. It's just simple. The baptism of Jesus initiated his ministry and the death ended his ministry. Both are being personified here. Directly now. As people, witnesses. The Holy Spirit illuminates the lost sinner to the truth of who Jesus is by grace through faith. No other way. He became the substitute. And so the blood follows. Water. Marking the finished work of the redemption for mankind. The serpent in the wilderness. Numbers 21.8. If they looked upon, they wouldn't die. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in it should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.14. He's speaking to Nicodemus. It is finished, he said on the cross. John 19.30. The work of atonement was finished at the cross. The resurrection is the receipt that the payment was accepted, paid in full. You like those kind of receipts? <laughs> the threefold witness is one in their testimony. They are one. And these three agree as one. The meaning of the text is not merely that they say the same thing, but literally are to the one. Are to the one. All three converge on the same point. All three work together to bring about the same result. All three are a witness to establish the truth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The three witnesses stand or fall together. They all point to Christ. They all give a united witness. You know, the Bible has been the focus of many men's object for destruction through the centuries. They're gone. The Bible's still here. What a great testimony, witness. And so the witness of the New Testament is overwhelming. He's the Lamb of God. The veil was read in the temple after the cross and the death there. The centurion said from the cross, truly this was the Son of God. Jesus said, I am the truth, Aletheia, John 14, 6. Same word for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit drove him into the wilderness to defeat Satan. Our Lord called for other witnesses. If you've read the Gospel of John, the Father in chapter 5 was a witness. John the Baptist was a witness. The works of the Father were a witness. The Scriptures were a witness. Moses were a witness against the Pharisees. Jesus said, do not think that I come to destroy the law of the prophets, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Matthew five seventeen. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Hebrews ten seven. The testimony of Jesus, the Spirit of prophecy. Revelation nineteen ten. Over and over and over again. Three things the Holy Spirit would do in the world for salvation. John sixteen eight through eleven. Reprove the world of sin because the world believes not in him. Of righteousness because he went to the Father and we see him no more. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged already. There are three things that are are to be witnessed in the believer's life on earth. The study of the word of God, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and the alignment and agreement in prayer with God. And there are three virtues that are to be sought and cultivated in the believer's life. Faith, hope, and love threes are all over the scriptures the threefold witness that Jesus was the Messiah his entire earthly life is the permanent witness so here you have John's witness of the threefold witness that Jesus was the Messiah his entire earthly life by the prophetic witness the problem witness and the permanent witness you have to either accept it or reject it One of the two. And
0: eternity is at stake. Pastor Xavier Reese and the proof of the Messiah. And if you'd like a copy of today's message, ask for The Threefold Witness of God. It's available, as always, on CD for only $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier taught the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is The Threefold Witness of God Nine one one zero seven, and it helps us when you tell us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This is one way we can check on the effectiveness of this outreach in your area, and be with us next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more simple truths from God's Word.